the finance committee on March 12th starting what time is it 405 uh, roll call, please. Trustee Avalada is not in the room. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Shequin. Here. Trustee DeVries is running late. And Trustee Peterson. Here. We do have a quorum. Great. We'll catch those folks up when they come in. Um, is there an action to approve the minutes? Motion to approve the minutes. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Now we're going to move to information and discussion. And... Uh, start with our chief financial officer who's closer now <laughs> but not so close you. we still have social distancing social distance. That's right. <laughs> all right so i'm going to talk about the january financial highlights i'm going to talk about the nnb forecast and the fy20 forecast oh boy i hope you guys can see that so um, I've been playing around with format on the stats. Um, I really wanted to get some global stats that would make sense and also kind of give a complete picture of all of the things that are going on. And it hasn't really been easy. I've gotten some feedback from ELT, which I've appreciated very much. And if any of you have feedback, I would very much like to hear from you. <coughs> So what this does is it creates a AHS summary, which is, you know, all in, all acute discharges, you know, includes John George. I mean, it's across the board, everything, including acute rehab. Then I've pulled out a few stats. I'm still going to add a few more. I'm uh, waiting on trauma and a couple of other stats. And then uh, I have skilled nursing separated out by itself there and then clinic visits, and then this new term called general acute. And what general acute means is just San Leandro, Alameda, and Highland, because they are very similar. So I can talk about them together. So um, you'll see if you, you know, looked at the package, the, the, it looks a lot different. And we're still working on it. And like I said, I love your feedback. <laughs> But for now, careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so far, I, I want to make sure it's meaningful. I, you know, I have a one way I look at the world, but that doesn't make it the right way to look at the world. That. So, uh, but anyway, it starts with a summary, and then it goes into the subsection general acute, and then it goes and lists out each individual unit. Uh, it's not totally complete. I think by next month, um, Helen will have been able to pull through all the changes, but it's getting close. So now's a good time to see if you like it or don't like it. And it may end up being too much for the board. You may say, I don't want to have the stats for every single individual unit. But to me, that way, if there's a question, I can always refer to it and we have it. Okay, so for the month of January, you can see that uh, our volumes were off. Um, we had negative variances for discharges, 5.5%. Our census was down. Our adjusted discharges were down 7.7. Our uh, surgeries and deliveries were both down from budget. And our clinic sure. visits are also off budget. Hmm. The shining light in this is ED visits. They were up. 
If you look year to date, however, we're actually pretty close to budget. Our um, acute discharges are just off 1%. Our uh, ED visit is like off 0.4. Our surgeries are actually up and above uh, prior year, which is good to see. ED visits were also up to prior year, and so were adjusted discharges. So those all make me happy. That's good. That means we're mm -hmm. increasing volumes. Our deliveries are pretty flat. Um, the skilled nursing, you, the current month has some stat changes. The way uh, our systems work, it's, it's kind of a, a counting concept where you can never go back and change a previous period. If you want to make a change from three months ago, you have to do it in the current period because our year-to-date always has to tie out. Mm -hmm. So um, same with stats. So it looks pretty goofy there, and this relates to Epic and all the changes we've been making and how we count stats. But if you look at the year-to-date, things actually look pretty good, and you can see that we've improved length of stay, and we've been talking about that every month. So that's not a changing concept at all. Clinic visits, um, we've been down uh, less year-to-date and um, not too far off. You know, it was 4.9% uh, 4 uh, to last year and 47 from budget. So we, it's not like we build in a whole bunch of increase there. And then there's my new term there with the general acute. Right now, I only picked up CMI and length of stay. I'll probably end up uh, talking about Medicare specifically, um, but we are higher this month, but if you look year to date, we are better than prior year. So that's a good trend. All right, so the next slide then, we get into all the numbers. So this is just the overview page. Um, currently, in the current month, January, our net operating revenue is unfavorable 1.1%. Our expenses are unfavorable 4.7%. But as a reminder, I did change the format. So I took out the amortization of the um, pension expense and I moved it up in expense. And so that's why we're looking unfavorable there. But I really want us to add back to EBITDA. So we're getting to the same place we had before. We're just adopting the audit format. So um, if you go down to EBITDA, you can see we had a really great EBITDA month, $34.5 million. Can see we planned it right because our budget was 37 yeah. million. Can you explain that um, to me? So we we budget for revenue during you know certain months in the year, and we knew in January we were going to be able to record a substantial part of revenue. So that's why you know we, we actually got the money that we thought. Like so supplemental, right. supplemental, right, yes, right, okay. yes. The projection was on, pretty, pretty on. And the yes. and the and the. Um, the increase in uh, being ab above budget for expense was the the, the pension. Yes, okay. the pension. Got it. Yeah. If you, you took the pension variance on the amortization, we would have actually been below budget on yeah. expenses. And we'll see that in the next slides. So the other thing I just want to remind everybody is we're on a cruel basis, not cash. So we uh, book our revenues when we've earned them rather than when we receive them. So year to date, um, we're actually at 37 million EBITDA versus a 12 budget, so we're quite a bit ahead. That's a 5.8 EBITDA margin versus a budget of two. And just to remind everybody, it's driven by the supplementals, and I think I have them listed out here on the next slide. I do there at the top. So this is the net revenue analysis. Um, the first section is gross patient revenues. Um, 
Our inpatient actually looks pretty strong at 2% up, but again, our length of stay was up, so we're charging more days, but it doesn't generate more revenue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the outpatient side, we, you know, it reflects the lower volumes that we just looked through. Gross uh, revenue is actually pretty flat. Uh, deductions from revenue, this month is actually a pretty good month. It's 16.7%. And if you look at year-to-date, we're at 16.2. So this month is higher collection rate. But our budget jumped up in January. And I don't have an explanation for that. Um, when we spread the budget by month, we do it based on volumes and just an overall percentage. So I can see that towards the end of this year, we have higher percentages, but I don't actually have an explanation for you for that. Um, our actual is 16.2, so again, this month was better. Um, and it, it doesn't make me too nervous because I do think that with Epic, um, we should be able to see some improvement. And uh, I, I can't, when we budgeted, I talked to our folks. They said they didn't actually calculate anything in. It's just the way the, the numbers flowed when they spread the budget. So, um, going down to the supplementals there, um, in the current month, we had the City of Alameda parcel tax true up, so we have a slightly positive variance there, a 610. Um, there's really no other big variances in, in the current month. Uh, I talked about year-to-date, the collection ratio already. Uh, the only other two things here worth mentioning, I think, are the Medi-Cal waiver. That was the FYO8 that just settled, so we had an 11 million pickup. That's why we're seeing that positive variance there for Medi-Cal. And then the supplemental, that's where we booked the 23 million that we received from the county. We had actually budgeted that in June, so it was in this year's budget, but not in um, the uh, December time frame. Uh, and just as another reminder, the auditors may make us move that and put it under patient services revenue, but if I did that, our collection ratios would be a total disaster, so I kind of broke my own rule a little bit. You made a choice there. Yeah. <laughs> before, before you go to the next report, um, Mr. Broken Record here, uh, I think it's critical right now for um, staff you do yep I do know exactly for staff to reach into the county uh, health services agency to have a conversation about uh, any measure projections a. on measure a receipts yes. based on the fact that the Trump uh, revolution has apparently started um, and uh, just a reminder in the last recession uh, we had 20 to 25 yep million dollars less annually in that supplemental source at the at the lowest point in that recession and it happened really fast and it happened really fast uh, can I ask a, a follow-up question I, I appreciate that and you've always I think it's <laughs> I didn't know that you were going to say it but you've been consistent there Joking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's because I thought he's it good. I thought of him he's good yeah um, were you referring to it in the context of the current budget or next year's budget, or both? Oh, I think both. Okay. Uh, and as to uh, Trustee DeVries point, mm -hmm. what we saw in the last recession hit, the negative impact hit rather quickly. Okay. 
And so I imagine the county's watching us uh, closely. Um, Rebecca Gephardt uh, watches those numbers very carefully. So okay. I think we could get some feedback about what they're thinking, what they're, you know, just staying in touch with that. Yeah, I, I, I don't uh, know yet. I uh, believe we did or were uh, planning to do it, uh, certainly for the context of next year's budget, which was sort of consistent with what we did in this year's budget, where we, um, you'll recall, had a, uh, we had a more conservative uh, uh, forecast yes. than they did. Uh, right. uh, we sort of split the baby a, a, a little bit, and then we right. have been doing some truing up based off of actual receipts year to date. Uh, but we were also mindful that, you know, the trends historically have been that the numbers or the receipts would go up over the holidays and then we'd have this precipitous decline uh, over the course of the remaining six months of the fis fiscal year. Uh, and last year was the anomaly where that did not occur. And this year might be either a return to that or an even harder uh, impact uh, of that, that usual trend. Because the holiday season, heavy shopping season. Uh, and then it falls off yeah, from there. I, you know, just yeah. simple things like people going out to buy cars. Right. I mean, it's a social interaction. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's delayed. Because I, I think, I think it's actually the smaller purchases that yeah. aren't yeah. going to be happening. It's the aggregate. Yeah, right. The automobiles and are Kim, we did do, the biggest source. Didn't we just yeah. do a slight true up or were we working Yeah, we're going to do the true up in February. So this is, you know, the perfect time to be talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Because right. we know that we're ahead so far this year. Mm -hmm. And so if we just book that all now and assume budget for the rest of the year, we could We're be overstating behind, yeah. it. Yeah, that's Because right now we've understated based off of the actual receipts, yes. and we were about to true that up, and right. so yeah. we might want to think about that. And and we're also, we're, you know, we're doing the negotiation of our behavioral health rates and, and our um, allocation of Measure A is part of that analysis, and we were talking about needing to increase it because it so far this year it is above what we had thought. We were conservative in our budget, and that's what we've been booking to. But now, you know, with this conversation, I think, right. you know, I will see Rebecca on Wednesday anyway, so I can we can have a little bit of a chat of what she's thinking. So, that's good. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So these are operating expenses here. Um, bottom line is we're over 4.4 million or 4.7 percent for the month of January. Biggest variance there in dollars and probably the only really material variance is labor, which is the next slide. So I'm going to skip to year to date because the variances there are a little are a little bigger and they're the same reasons. So I was confused about depreciation. Yeah, so higher costs and budget. Yeah, so okay, let me let me talk about I'll start with that. How's that? Great. So depreciation, we had this big positive <laughs> variance and now it has flipped to a negative variance. And the reason for that is when we budgeted, we budgeted the same amount every month all year. And during the first six months we had not gone live with Epic. So we couldn't start depreciating it. And also we had to wait until we were into the new acute rehab space before we could start depreciating. So we had this big favorable variance for the first six months. And for the next six months, it's all going to go away. Right. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And on purchase services, we're also pretty negative there, 2.3 million. And that, again, is the extra elbow support that we're hiring to help us get through the EPIC install or Sapphire project. And then um, we outsourced all of our legacy AR 
and so we're having to have to pay them to do the work and we did not estimate very well what that expense would be and I will be coming back uh, it should be next month with a full report on how the legacy vendors are doing and how much we've paid and we talked about depreciation the only other material variance is a favorable one there in general and administrative and I think that's just the whole team is trying to control costs some of it's a timing difference I'm sure but we are really really trying to make sure that you know we end the year in a good spot consistently right? yeah all right so the next slide is the detail of the salary and wages uh, right off the bat, you can see that the actual salaries are favorable, not unfavorable. They're less favorable in January than they are year-to-date, and that's because our uh, IT folks that are working on the Sapphire or Epic project were capitalized, so they're in the on the balance sheet, right. and now we're moving them over. into the expense, so the variance is, is diminishing. Uh, registry. Uh, is pretty high. Uh, we do have a lot of registry here, but I want you to notice that last year our registry cost was 14.4 million, and we only budgeted 10.2. So we really had an aggressive target, I think, of trying to get these folks converted to regular employees, and we just haven't been able to recruit that fast and get it get it done. Um, this next budget year, I think we're going to be a little, we're not going to put that kind of a shift. And we did an analysis when I first got here that showed that it really don't save that much money by having regular employees. Yeah, I was going to ask you to clarify that again. So in most systems, there's a lot of cost incurred with registry. Yes. Uh, I think here people here. like to come to this area. And again, our benefit cost is so high. Right. So I think we kind of right. have so a unique... Out situation yeah so the registry tends to be cheaper we would really rather have regular people I mean it's yeah. it's hard to train somebody and having people come and go I mean it, it, it just it would be really nice if we could reduce that number we just have and not been has able an impact to. on quality when it's not yeah. yeah right uh, so then uh, the other variance there is the, the amortization of the retirement costs, which is the result of GASB 68 and 75. And you can see that's the big negative. That's nothing new. We've had that. Um, it was based on an interest rate on December 31st last year. And, you know, we budget, you know, six months different, and interest rates can be very different, so it's really hard to predict. So... Um, and we, I don't think that it was necessarily a focus because we had it below the line, but now that we've got it above the line, we'll probably maybe uh, spend a little more time. But I don't—I can't tell you. I have a crystal ball. So, <laughs> so you—you said interest rate. Is it? I always thought that was pegged to uh, projected returns on retirement. Uh, yeah. Years. So, so when the actuary does it, they—they—they they, they don't assume that you know interest rates are going to improve or they don't do a whole lot of projecting out in the future because they're oh, no better at it than anybody yeah, else told me this before yeah, I'm sorry. so they use yeah. what they know today and it. forecast it out so if interest rates go down our our liability goes up mm -hmm. and then if interest rates go uh, go up then our liability you know, you're goes saying down. interest rate do you mean return return projected 
uh, interest returns. market returns. It's, it's a blended. They don't yeah, just look I, at I'm one indicator. Right. I probably shouldn't have said interest. No, it's no. I just I want to make sure I understand what we're talking about. So when the stock market, for example, goes down 28 <laughs> percent, <laughs> we're just going to be a conversation here at some point. When does that happen? Yeah, when does that happen? <laughs> Well, our, our date would have been as of December 31st, so we got a little time to recover. Right, so that's, so. That, that's, a, that's an issue that is going to uh, present itself rather quickly here. Yeah. Yes, but in, on December it wasn't as bad as it is today, that's for sure. And you can really get caught into this situation, which, you know, it's, it's a, you know, finance and accounting and gap is not a perfect thing. Uh, so anyway, we would have been a net positive two million for the year and one million for the month. So I wanted to just give you a graphic on the FTEs, just because it's kind of kind of strange. Um, so there's two points I want to make when you look at these lines. One is the seasonality is built in, because so the budget charges or volume is done by month. That pretty much drives the budget. The uh, capitalization of the Sapphire. FTEs was flat through the year. So you see a big, huge space in the first half of the year, and then it quickly Close. gets very small, and that's because those folks are no longer being capitalized. Right, right. But it doesn't cross, and the reason why it doesn't cross is we still have vacancies. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, the, that's the story there. And then this is the balance sheet view. Um, the three things that I always want to talk about are the gross days in AR, the percent of A over, over 270, and the accounts payable. Um, gross AR days are up 6.9 days. That is not good. Um, but I am actually looking forward to giving you the report on EPIC because we have improved substantially. Yeah. So um, well, we can talk more about that in a few minutes. Uh, the percent A over, over 270 is something that doesn't look alarming here, but I just want to make sure that you all understand that we've only been live as of the date of this report, 120 days, and so it hasn't had time to, to grow. So um, you can see where we were historically here at 6.3%. Wow. Our days and accounts payable did come down, so that's good. If you remember, at the end of the year, we were up against our NNB, and we were holding payments to vend from two mm -hmm. vendors. So we're getting caught up getting those uh, payments processed. Uh, over 60 is still high at 19.3 compared to prior year at 5.1. So we still got some more um, money to get out the door there. Uh, down at the bottom is the receivable. You'll remember another change we made to the financials as we break out payables and receivables in the financial statement so that your current ratio actually has, you know, some meaning there. The next slide is the detail, and this is just the supplemental programs. And remember, this is as of one point in time. I've uh, been doing some thinking about this slide, and I'm a little concerned that I might be misleading people, because if you look at the net balance, 1.2 there at January 31st, that ties out to the balance sheet. But if you look at cash flow, two columns over in FY21, it has a negative 61 million. Uh, that can be misleading, because this relates only to 
the amount we owe on these older programs. So as we accrue more revenue, because we're on an accrual basis and we haven't received the cash, that number goes up. So if you remember last year, we had the worst case scenario that always said we needed about 150 million. Mm -hmm. That hasn't gone away. Right. So I don't, I don't want to mislead you. In fact, I was going to ask the committee if maybe in the package for Friday that we post that we actually do a projection out of cash going into next year because I fear that I may have uh, misled folks here, that and I don't want to do that. All right, so we will, it just got we will do that. pushed forward is another way to say it. It got pushed into the next. This the, doesn't necessarily describe that. Yeah. There. So... So we record revenue based on when we earn it, not when we receive it. So there's always a delay in cash. This is what we owe net on, on everything that's on our balance sheet as of today. But we, so if you gave us 60 million right now and this went away, we're still gonna start accruing um, additional revenue for these supplementals, which is you know like more than half of all of our revenue. But we're not gonna get it until you know, next year, two years from now. So this is there's always this delay, right? And so I'm going to have to work on this a bit. Sure. Um, this is absolutely our best guess on the historical stuff, but it's not telling you future cash flows. And I just wanted to point that out. Kim, yep. May I ask a small favor? And this may not be possible. Uh, the presentation is nice. It doesn't exactly follow along with a packet. If you could call out page number on the packet if that's available to you do is that available to you uh if, it, you, if you don't that's okay you know it is not but i can make sure it is yeah. in the future okay. does that help yeah yeah because you 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 jump a little and or, or, uh, or how it's if you when you're tracking against uh, when we're tracking against the packet yeah. oh in the on the letter versus right. the power yeah because yeah. you skipped over cash collected and net patient revenue compared to cash collections like was page 17 you went right to page 18 so i i was yeah he's saying that Good for point. me thank okay. you okay yeah. She's on page for, for us, for yeah. all of us. Yeah. Do we? 39. Yeah, we post both. Oh, so you know, we we post both for you. We try to post. We post the memo so you can have a kind of a, a, a concise narrative. Got it. But then in the presentation, we try to do it in such a way that we are painting a different narrative. No, it's there too. It's after the letter. Yeah, it's just further down in the packet. Got it. Yeah, but this PowerPoint I, I, I is in there. Along right. with that, but yeah, yeah. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> I like the narrative, so I always go right to that. You're, you're yeah. gonna make. You're, <laughs> so when I talk about it, I kind of pull stuff out, and then I. Yeah, the narrative yeah, uh, is, or the okay. presentation is designed to highlight some parts of the narrative, and not I got it. And so it bounces around. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about yes, the confusion. Okay, just okay. thanks for the reminder. I, no, yeah, I, it's not a big deal. <laughs> but uh, I did include cash collections. Uh, yeah. That's my next slide here, and we're at 92%, which is an improvement. And if you'll look at January, it's our best month all year. So we are doing better. And again, I'm looking forward to giving you the update on the Sapphire project. Kim, I ask a few questions on the cash collection. Sure. Um, so uh, as you see, the there, AHS core bounces back very quickly. AHP... Alameda Hospital and San Leandro do not bounce back at, like the core does. The core, and core bounces back with a vengeance. Can you comment on why that may be? Yeah, so we were very slow getting the 
the uh, Alameda to the legacy AR folks. Got it. So they just got that in, I think, the end of December. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, they haven't had a whole lot of time to work it. Now, granted, you know, we did bill, you know, put the bills out there and did get payments, but they didn't start working it until then. And uh, San Leandro was delayed as well, but not as much. I don't remember off the top of my head when they got the AR to work. Um, and they're much smaller, too. But I'll give you a report yeah. next month on the whole, on the... Because those three sites, AHP, Alameda, Hospital, San Leandro, are about 10 to 15% of what they were in Q1. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, yeah. But CORE smashed it back. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, this also has EPIC in it. And so remember that... Um, now we don't have separate AR, so Epic is going to all show up yeah, in the core, which I actually yeah. probably so should some of, yes, exactly. fix that. Some of that Thank is you. buried within oh, the core. That's correct. Yeah. Which accounts why it blew so, it out. So yeah, we're just saying the legacy stuff. The legacy is still going to be separated out in these things because it was following along with different. Uh, uh, um, Systems and streams, and now, now it's uh, a lot of this is a consolidation of all of this into that. So, yeah, that so makes sense. yeah, you'll start to see it more being consolidated out of the core, but it's not just the core anymore. So we should we should actually yeah, I need to I'll go there. back yeah. and 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 uh, take a look at how we we did that. We probably just didn't uh, didn't think about it because I know just, that's cool. we just got I mean, that, all this that cash made sense fun. because the <laughs> aggregate yeah. was actually yeah. bigger than it was in yes. the prior. So it makes sense. More. Yeah. 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 yeah, so maybe it's just a footnote. Yeah. yeah, maybe, or maybe we stop. Maybe I don't need to do the cash collection by entity anymore, except yeah. for when I'm reporting on the legacy yeah. um, vendors. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it should just be separate. Sure. Okay, so the next slide here is the. Um, net patient revenue compared to cash collections. And this one is a graphic that, that basically is telling you that although we had a great cash month in January, you can see it's the highest point, it's the green point, high point there in January. It still has not moved this trend line enough to cover the gap. Right. We need to move that trend line up to the blue line. And anything above the blue line would be outstanding. <coughs> So um, we still have this gap, and this is still looming out there because if we don't do it and the auditors come and, and look at our net revenue, they're going to say, hey, you're going to have to you know, reduce your net revenue. So um, we've got we to gotta collect the money in order to record that revenue. Big push. Yes. And then here's the forecast, and uh, this is what I think we'll extend and send out on uh, tomorrow in the package, uh, because I'm afraid that it, I, I, I say that I eliminated the worst case, but I think that because we have all of these old waivers coming due, I really need to point it out, because it's going to go up over the NNB without a doubt. So we, we need to show it. I'm sorry, we say tomorrow in your packet. A week for the board meeting? That's next Friday. Oh, we get two weeks between, I thought we just had one week between finance and board meeting. They're, yeah, they're, they're due two the weeks. following Friday, so you got yeah. time. Oh, we get lots so, of time. So, oh, yeah. so oh, breathe, man. I just want to clear up the radio's going, oh, good, I get to right look on. at it and see uh, well, That, too, but I was like, yeah, you got time. Relax. Because that would be me due tomorrow, too, so yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> um, 
Anyway, so I just didn't, I, I was, when I was looking at this, after we put it all together, I was just thinking, you know, I really need to um, show it. Sure. I don't, I don't want you. anyone to be How misled. How would you show that? Like, is it going to look like that Trump hurricane line again? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Sharpie? Sharpie? Yeah. Sharpie? Yeah. So right. what we did, we worked on it this morning, and it basically we uh, we show it coming up over the the NNB, and I, so I have that, and then I also we worked on a schedule that looks like the one we just looked at with all the supplementals, mm -hmm. and then it puts next year's revenue and when we think we're going to actually receive that revenue, and when you add the two together, you go, uh oh, we got a, a, a timing difference. So we have both of those, and then. There's another schedule that I meant to walk. To, I will it, it, walk the Vecchio through. I want through. to make sure we're clear about what we're talking about here. Is this when's the going over the line projected to happen? Uh, it will, well, if the if the the California Association of Public Hospitals is correct, then it will happen in the November December timeframe. Right. So we're talking about next oh, fiscal next, year. Next yes, next fiscal, fiscal year. Yeah, what she's doing is, yeah, is, is kind of what, what you used to see. Yes, remember we used to do two forecasts. We did the rolling forecast for the current fiscal year, and we did the 12-month rolling. Yeah. Uh, this is actually not terribly dissimilar than what happened yeah. last year, where, but under a different set of uh, drivers, where we were able to uh, forecast being able to be compliant with the uh, net negative balance for the year. And then we had the rolling that said, when these things come due, uh, and if they come due in the first part of the year, it's going to compromise our ability right. to do this. So even if you were able, well, and we won't in this case, unless we have some sort of uh, um, uh, remediation, to reconcile it by the end of the year, intra-year, you're going to have a problem. And this 12-month rolling will show you that if those big receipts come due in the first six months, yeah. uh, even if she, what she was saying earlier, even if you solve the 66 million, that's not accommodating for that because remember we set that to the side. And yep. it, it can, it'll, and, it'll and the whatever. crucial consideration as we develop the budget and conversation with our absolutely, and so forth. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, long term, my thought is we'll have that long range plan, which will have the three years, and then we can use that. We can summarize it and use that to kind of project out. Yeah, um, but I think that I can't just wait for that to be done. We're gonna. I need to do it now. Yep. So. We're gonna we're gonna make that happen. But in essence, this chart here. This is as accurate change. as I had. No. Yeah. In fact, right. the, the, that's what you're saying. I just want to make sure nothing is that inaccurate. Just gets pushed here. to next fiscal year, and your your concern is that we have that in our minds. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She wants to create the awareness now yeah. Yeah. because if you're only looking at that. Um, Table. Yeah, if you're the, only the looking at that, right, it creates yeah. a sense of. Yeah. You think, oh, yeah, well, that's well, the that's, total that's, shortfall. But, yeah, right. but what right. you have to remember is that we accrue revenue constantly, but we don't get we don't get right. the cash that comes later. Yeah. And it seems like so. that's a good way to do it, is take that net negative balance <clears throat> chart and just move and it out. To project forecast. it out and have cash flow. Yeah. Sure. So so yeah. I will will do that, and I. Joe, uh, help you with the sharp. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. It'll a lot of work goes in that Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. So here's the forecast, and again, this just goes through the end of this fiscal year, and I, you know, we still believe this to be the most accurate projection. Mm -hmm. um, so we know that our net patient service revenue is off. 1.7 of it relates to the strategic initiatives 
for deliveries and clinic visits, so we're off. But the biggest variance is the fact that we are off 9.2 million year to date. And that's coming from the fact that our collection ratio is below budget and our cap PM PM is lower than budget because our membership is lower. In regard to the supplementals, we think we will be 6.3 over. Again, we had the 11 million pickup for the FY08 waiver settlement. And we've put in a, a placeholder of 2.4 million reduction in QIP and Prime. Again, we did that because we haven't got the reporting out of Epic yet to be able to show we're going to make those metrics. And our grants are, are off uh, 1.8, which we do think is a timing that will come back by the end of the year. Uh, but So that's how the year-to-date so far. So maybe I'm being a little, maybe we'll have another million there. But I left the year-to-date alone. The operating expenses were off 10.4. Again, the pension liability is the variance there that's off 11.8. We're actually favorable. Uh, and then if you get down to EBITDA, um, on an accrual basis, we have a miss of 5 million one, but we are generating EBITDA of, or plan to gen generate EBITDA of just about 36 million. So that's the finance report. Any questions on that? Did I thoroughly confuse everybody? Yeah, so I, I <laughs> no, that's a good report. I think it it's probably premature, but I, I think that you know the world changed in the last two weeks, I noticed. And so to take it through a finance lens, I'm sure we're gonna hear much more at the board meeting about the healthcare lens. <laughs> but the finance healthcare lens do do you have any sense of any of this? Uh, we talked about Measure A already. Yeah. Yeah. Measure A, yeah. Other, any other substantial Absolutely. negative or positive? Uh, uh, well, I don't know on the positive side yet, uh, uh, and maybe that's my lack of creativity, but. Um, on the negative side, I'd say absolutely. I mean, uh, just in this past week, up until Monday, we were running our incident command on a virtual basis and just tracking and trying to kind of do uh, uh, intermittent course corrections relative to where we were in the uh, progression of this pandemic. Uh, um, and Monday, we had to do a full activation. So we are going to see, I anticipate, uh, a cost associated with the, um, with the operations of the incident command that are layered on top of the routine operations for the organization uh, um, uh, that that will probably uh, impact our expenses uh, on the um, can, you, can you ballpark just so we have a well sort of uh, so, yeah. so we're just one weekend and we're not even a full weekend so it depends right. on like yeah. we believe we'll that be able yeah we'll be able to uh, stabilize that as a bigger driver the main driver for at full activation was the uh, the docking of the uh, cruise ship, which uh, uh, um, uh, we think, you know, we're at the tail end of that, I believe. I actually hadn't checked in with the team uh, today for back-to-back -back meetings, so I don't know. Are we... So uh, the cruise ship has only about 100 passengers left on it. Okay. Um, our decision today is to go virtual starting tomorrow morning, so we're Thank you. tracking issues, but we resolved a lot, and we have a lot more answers and uh, smarts, I guess, from standing up the open 
command center. So we'll go virtual, but we'll stay on top of it. And should we need to, we'll open it up again. Right. So so that that I think will that, that will uh, stem that uh, experience. Um, but also, you know, then it depends on kind of if something else happens that, that spurs us to have to reopen it. Well, That's on the expense side, but I think it's in the, I, I'm going to say in order of magnitude, we're talking uh, tens of thousands to, depending yeah. on if it's frequently, it could be, it could get us into the hundreds of thousands. Right. Uh, but I think uh, that on the expense side. On the uh, revenue side and yeah. the utilization side, we're having to make decisions around looking at risk profiles for uh, patients and then guidance on whether we encourage people to not come to certain appointments, to, uh, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, um, comport with social distancing and to mitigate uh, that risk. Uh, we were having conversations today around whether we might um, uh, delay um, elective procedures for people who are in a high-risk category, which then would impact staffing and revenue uh, um, to the extent that, you know, in some cases we can right-side staffing if we have enough advanced uh, um, uh, preparation for that type of thing. Uh, and, in, and then with certain staff, you can't right-size because that's just the infrastructure, so sort of a sunk cost. Uh, um, and all of that then could uh, bring revenues uh, down. And then it, again, depends on if, it, if, the, uh, if the local impact gets greater and to what extent it does. But those are the drivers for what might be negative variances uh, uh, for us. So, so on the, I guess I guess I should say on the opposite side, if we look at it like, and this actually could already be occurring, usually in January, well, December, January, February through March, those are our highest volume activity months because of the routine flu season. flu season. And you heard Kim report in this report, which was for uh, January, our volumes were down for the month. Uh, and, and I don't know how this interplay of the two actually might be uh, uh, impacting that in some way. But, but I heard that and thought that's, that's unusual for us. Uh, usually this is the period where we would experience, and depending on how bad the epidemic or the flu is relative to the uh, va um, uh, what do you call it? Vaccine that was out. Then we'll we'll uh, we'll have different experiences. But generally, it's up and high, not down. And so, I'm sensitive to that for just January. That might actually have played out in February as well. And we'll have to see what that looks like. Is there any upside on filling empty beds? At, uh... mm, no, I think our well. I, I will say that one good thing I heard yesterday in the command center is that our long stay patients are well down, and there's a, a very uh, uh, active effort to uh, facilitate discharges. So our length of stays will be better, and our throughput uh, will be better. But I don't think our volume has increased on the acute side. I'm looking to Janet to, to let me know no, that. In fact, the ED is purely uh, uh, quiet. Uh, oh. Oh. So people are choosing to stay home or people are choosing to call and go to the clinics. And then you're right, I mean. It's not on. Dave? Um, it's on, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. go. Okay. Um, we've still been transferring to Alameda and San Leandro as appropriate. Uh, and then we have been uh, making a big difference in the long stays. And so I think the learnings from that, we need to apply to everyday work and not have a COVID-19 event take us to how do we discharge people appropriately sooner. If we can do it now, we can do it anytime. Routine so there's, some, there's been some yeah. good that comes of this as well, and we're going to capitalize on that. Makes sense. Thank you. Thanks, Janet. Good. 
So I don't know if we maybe can uh, make some estimates by next week. I know Joint Commission, Louise has some expenses there. We've got these expenses. We've got some of these other these other issues. Um, I think we've got a meeting to talk, so maybe we can. Yes. We've got a little time. Yes. Okay. Okay. A any other questions of our CFO? I'm going to move us on to the Chief Operating Officer report. Uh, Luis, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Kim, if you can just flip the slides oh, for sorry. me. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, or happy thank you. To. Yeah, please. All right, next slide. Uh, so again, uh, well, as you noticed, uh, and, and again, I want to once again thank you for, for the opportunity to allow us to revisit the report and the structure of the report. So it's something that we're still working through. I'm, I'm working with our operational leaders to make sure that we are capturing essentially what are those key components that are driving the operation, impacting the operation, to give you a greater sense of what we're dealing with on a regular basis and how it aligns with, obviously, and supports uh, the financials and the performance of the organization. Right. So we're working through that. I will certainly bring something back, and I'll work with uh, our chair to ensure that we're in alignment, and then we'll roll that out hopefully here in the next month or two. For now, we have the same report. Um, I, I want to highlight really just this first couple of slides. This is the visual. As you can see, we're still, we're still tracking uh, behind all of the, uh, those key initiatives that we had identified, specifically for looking at our, our women's visits, our deliveries, our ophthalmology uh, visits for um, uh, the uh, clinic from Berkeley that we we're looking at uh, expanding. Uh, and then uh, we have our med surge days uh, at San Leandro. If we go to the next slide, I will share with you some additional details here and where, where, where we stand and what we anticipate at this point in time. Uh, one of the things that happened with our optometry uh, initiative, we had we were anticipating to bring in two providers uh, to support you know the additional volume that was uh, that was built into the budget. Unfortunately, due to contracting issues and and recruitment issues, really largely driving this, we were only able to secure one of the two providers. And so, as a result. Uh, we're actively still working through that recruitment process to go ahead and bring in that second provider, but it won't happen until next fiscal year. And so as a result, we only have one lane operating. They're working really hard to see how they can close that gap, but the likelihood of us meeting the target will probably be uh, no. And so we're, work, we're, we're going to continue to monitor that, obviously, but uh, there, there is a, a chance at this point that uh, because of that last, uh, that one resource not being available, we won't make, we won't make it. Under primary care, um, this is, uh, when you look at, and as I've shared before, the women's services and the primary care kind of, they're a subset of one another. And so the largest component driving that variance in primary care is those women's visits. Uh, in other areas of primary care, they've done a really good job of, of outperforming their original targets. And so there is still a hope, uh, and, and the target is that, uh, talking to uh, Dr. Barbaria and her team, that primary care, we will be able to close that gap for the year. Um, but we're not going to make it specifically for women's services as we're seeing here with those that variance of 6,000 visits. In the uh, labor and delivery, uh, our deliveries, we equally have discussed. Uh, there's been a tremendous amount of activity happening um, in all, uh, obviously with all of our partners externally uh, to see how we could better uh, support and attract some of these deliveries to our facility, but again, uh, that, that, that target of reaching an additional 200 deliveries, uh, we're falling short of that and we're not, we're not going to make that target for this year here. So, uh, but regardless of that, uh, again, I know that Dr. Kevin Smith and the team are working very hard to continue to partner with our CHCN, continue to partner with uh, 
uh, other providers to ensure that we have a mechanism by which we can support the care delivery, not only from a prenatal care perspective, but also through delivery and how we can streamline that process to attract them here to our facility. So that work continues with them, also with the Alliance uh, as part of a population that is currently seeking services at other, at other facilities that we can look at redirecting to this facility here. So again, although we're not going to meet that target for this year, um, we are certainly continuing those efforts to ensure that we have a, a mechanism in place that we can continue to see those patients in the future. Next slide. Uh, the outpatient services, uh, I, I haven't closed it, but we, we, we restructured as we had uh, originally planned and discussed. Uh, there is still a lot of work that's happening in this area. Uh, Dr. Babaria and Dr. Karen Wise are, are working uh, to really look at what the future state of outpatient behavioral health will look like. Uh, and uh, that's, that's, again, a work in progress. I actually had a very good meeting with uh, Karen Tribble uh, and, and Dr. Wise uh, last week uh, where we were talking about different models and how we can ensure that we're capturing the entire population, mm -hmm. recognizing the needs that we have, the, the, the support and the role that the county plays to support a, a, you know, a portion of that population and what we are also accountable to supporting uh, through our alliance and our beacon contracts. And so, but there's also a happy medium in there how we can make sure that we're holistically managing that population, providing an alternative and an offer, uh, an offering that will satisfy and meet their needs in a way that will equally be more attractive for the county where we can leverage contracting opportunities and be another provider for them to expand their network. And so again, a lot more work to happen in that area. Just that's a, a very high level summary, but uh, we're, we're, I think we're very excited about the potential and what we can do to revisit and restructure the current layout of our outpatient behavioral health services to, uh, to ensure that we're actually, I think, providing greater access and caring for a broader population. Can I, can I ask something? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, so I just felt like it's important to say, because uh, trustees, as you might imagine, and some of you may have heard, uh, this is a very sensitive area uh, for a host of reasons, not the least of which is this has been an area that we've visited in several uh, prior budget cycles and, and uh, uh, has uh, uh, weathered a couple of um, um, overtures that were tended for us either demise or closing. Uh, so we have tried our best to have fidelity to continue to explore this from the standpoint of uh, understanding the care gaps that we have for the entirety of our uh, patients with behavioral health needs. So the mild to moderate, which is the more of the ones that fall within our uh, managed care plans, and then the uh, SMI population that is more of the uh, the county as a health provider or health uh, uh, coverage uh, for uh, that uh, that population, many of whom get care in uh, IOP or the partial hospitalization program. So. Um, uh, the conversations externally with the county partners as well as internally with our staff are uh, contributing to uh, a bit of anxiety on the part of people about is this what is this just another effort to close this program down and and, and uh, 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 not look at how to shore it up financially and stabilize it and uh, deny services to this patient population and uh, lay off staff that are providing this care and uh, we are doing everything we can to reassure people that it is, in fact, not that at all. Uh, that, in fact, it really is an uh, effort to look at uh, how we 
um, address and acknowledge there is a significant part of our uh, mild to moderate po patient population who we are screening for behavioral health challenges and not um, having a uh, network or um, uh, capabilities to provide services to them. And for this, uh, this uh, population that we are serving through the IOP and PHP program, uh, many of them, uh, it looks like it's actually uh, really high, we're waiting to corroborate the data, are getting care both within the county's rest of its infrastructure as well as this, which is not in the county's infrastructure. And while it is certainly a valuable service, um, it's tough to reconcile sustaining uh, this model that provides an additional layer of service at the same time that we have a, a significant portion of patients who aren't getting any services at all. Uh, so we're trying to figure out how we uh, uh, balance those two things, but we have assured everyone, this is the last thing I want to say to you, nothing will change in this space uh, unless and until we come to you with a proposal that then you decide would make sense for the organization to do in service to the population we're serving and in a partnership with the county. Uh, so we acknowledge that people have reasonable anxiety around this. We have tried to reassure them uh, that, that we are not doing anything. We haven't made any decisions to close anything. We're only exploring options at this point, and we will not make that decision without, one, continuing to talk to them and letting them know, but then, two, bringing it to you. So if you hear anything, uh, this came up in the county meeting, and I uh, reassured the supervisors of this recently, but it was also uh, uh, after a group of staff had already gone, and they came to you, as you recall, in the last meeting, expressing you know, doubt that we were being honest and transparent with them. So I just want you to know that. Uh, we, I understand the anxiety, and I'm trying to quell it. We're trying to quell it. Uh, I don't know that we'll be successful with that, but I want to reassure you that in every forum we have, we're telling people the same message so that people understand what we're, what we're doing and what we would intend to do and how it might play out. So, so to me, this is a um, perfect example of the interface between finance and quality. Because uh, sometimes in the system we seem to get confused about what our end goal is. Um, staff, I think, clearly is trying to improve, assess, and provide the uh, necessary level of coverage to meet gaps mm -hmm. in behavioral health care for folks. And there's a question about whether this long, this program has been around for a while, mm -hmm. which you know undoubtedly works, mm -hmm. really fits. Um, meets those needs um, and to me uh, you know so it's not I, it, this is where it's really important I think not to just have a financial conversation about this absolutely and not even for the financial conversation to be the driving conference uh, right. part of it and that's what we keep saying uh, and and I keep saying I've said to the clinical leaders who uh, Louise mentioned who are leading this conversation this this cannot be motivated by finance and it's not they are looking at it much more sort of in a holistic public health or population health yeah. sort of uh, driver and well, saying... to be clear, I didn't hear that yeah. from you. I, yeah. Matter of fact, I, I heard what I wanted to hear in terms yeah. of this relationship between quality care and access. Um, and access. And then, you know, there is a financial question in it as well, but yes. it starts, you know, we always need to start from that space. Absolutely. And so... I, I just want to point that out because we have a new trustee on this committee who chairs the uh, quality committee. Well, I, I think thank Thoughts? you for that. I think yeah. that's a, a, a critical and important discussion. As one mantra says, the, the business should follow the care and not the other way around. But I think that, that these are equal, equally handed. We can't, you know, 
no mission, no, no margin, no mission. We have right. to balance those things out. So I think it's important messaging outside this finance committee to keep on this mantra. Thank yeah. I think that's. I, I think that was a great dialogue. Thank you. So. Uh, perhaps at the full board level to, to, to make sure all stakeholders are hearing that a full-scale analysis from the quality and financial perspective is being engaged. I think that will be important for all our stakeholders to hear. Okay. And, and, and just a third and important element uh, uh, is um, uh, labor and HR. So uh, we have said that our primary driver is the community that we have the privilege and the obligation to serve. Our secondary but also uh, important obligation is the people providing that care and service. So right. uh, uh, we want to be mindful that there is, at the end of the day, people and lives and families that are impacted by any of these decisions. And uh, we are factoring that in at the appropriate uh, basis to say that we want to uh, to the extent that we can, and, and at least early signs of kind of a potential option that may come forward, uh, um, does factor in how do we preserve as 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 many or as since they preserve retain and support as many of the people who have committed to work in this organization and serving this community as possible, uh, even if the model in which that care delivery is provided changes. So uh, that's also a very important part from a labor perspective and from just. You know, we want to be viewed a, as a responsible employer. Very important to the trustees as well. And, Absolutely. And I will note this. What I've heard in this conversation is uh, our staff are very committed to the population they're serving. That's very real. Yeah. They've got people in front of them who are vulnerable. Um, so it's not a denial of that reality. Absolutely. The, the, the shift is about the bigger macro question about our responsibility to provide access and quality care. Um, in this I'll note at this month's QPSC uh, ambulatory happens to be up in the cycle, and, and we know that the behavioral health falls under them. So Dr. Barbaria is our is our, our chief administrative officer for ambulatory. So I've asked her, or I'll be asking her to generate actually kind of our entree into this discussion about the clinical why, the quality why, and that can be our sort of entree into a bigger dialogue. We're not going to get that done in a 25-minute report, but she can give us kind of the, the, the foundational elements about this model versus other models and all that. So right. we'll be entertaining that at this, this month's QPSE in two weeks. That's great. Thank you. So can I just get clarification then? Are we talking about, um, we're talking about outpatient behavioral health services, we're talking about the mild to moderate and the moderate to severe. Is that, are we talking about just Yes, the, yes, correct. We so are. all of that will be under ambulatory, so that wouldn't necessarily come under sort of the mental health leadership that's like at the at the John George. That's correct. Process. So we kind of had it, I mean, it's it's been hybrid uh, uh, with the bulk of the mild to moderate being already under uh, outpatient because it was sort of in this, um, uh, what we call it, uh, uh, blended model of integrated care. That's not blended, integrated care, where these are patients who are getting their primary care in our wellness center screening for behavioral health needs along the continuum, but mild to moderate, and getting some varying degrees of access to services that was there. And then they would uh, typically or historically partner with the behavioral health business unit to address that because the behavioral health business unit was designed to look at both out and inpatient. Uh, with the leadership transition, uh, we, um, uh, as an interim and then ultimately formalized, but initially as an interim, uh, had the outpatient part of the behavioral health 
combined with the outpatient part of, uh, or the ambulatory business unit, and that spurred some of these conversations around how can we continue to lean in and say, we have some outpatient behavioral health that's in the uh, SMI population, and we have this in the mild to moderate, and we know that we are woefully inadequate here, and we are doing something over here that while helpful and quite beneficial, um, actually um, uh, the, the, uh, the peer source for that uh, service does not recognize it as a part of their model and ergo doesn't contract with us to provide those services. So we're doing something over here that is helpful uh, while we're doing nothing or, or, or significantly less over here that we're committed or obligated to do. And so we're, it's a disservice to that population and we're trying to look at how we're both. So we're looking to increase capacity in outpatient behavioral health from mild to moderate on the, well that's what I just heard, right? And then Yes. Yes. Okay, and then on the moderate to severe, are we also having conversations with our county partners around doing more contracted services for which they do would be willing to compensate us, or is that is and so is that part of this planning or? I'll tell you, the conversations thus far, to, for which I'm uh, aware, are, are more. Are you? We have this population. We believe that you are also serving this population. We need to cooperate if that is the case. So we need to cooperate if that's the case. And if you are serving this population under your model for which you're providing uh, uh, coverage and, and access for these services and aren't contracting for these, can we talk about first why you don't contract for these services? Uh, and then two, if you don't contract for these services, is there something else that you you think is complementary to what we what you do for these uh, this population that you do find consistent with your model? And I think the latter uh, part thus far hasn't um, materialized into an additional set of services for that population. It's more of we believe we can do more under the current model. Now, if we need to extend that model because there's a subset of that population that isn't getting access, then we can do that. But it will then be a different delivery model than what you're what you're currently doing. So we may or may not be looking to increase our moderate to severe outpatient. Right. It, it may be driven by, you know, again, let's say there's 100 patients. If we find out that the 100 patients are actually already plugged into care somewhere else, then it would be redundant to, to get them care in two settings. But if it's 75 who are already in care but 25 who aren't, then we don't want to drop those 25 and say they don't get any care. It's where do they get care? Can we be a part of that? I Meaning, can we change our model that uh, aligns with you and, and provide care for them? Or do you feel like you have capacity elsewhere in your network or want to expand it elsewhere in your network so they get the care there? But the main driver is not to, um, obviously, not to drop anybody from care that they need uh, and, and access to care, I should say. So I'm just kind of wondering about whether this belongs here anymore on the patient revenue enhancement strategy because it sounds like a lot has happened since the time when we, I mean, and I think that's part of the reason why we have confusion between what it is that we're doing for a particular subset of patients versus what it is that we're doing about budget concerns. And so I'm just, I mean, I'm just asking because yeah. right now we have this up here as a revenue enhancement strategy when really a lot has happened. We've discovered a lot in between and we're taking a step back and reassessing so I Sort of no, they are. They are. You, you're making an excellent point. I believe they, they are two different things. The only reason it, this is here is because this year, for this year's budget, we decided to sustain the program 
uh, under the same model that it is, but to enhance the, the fiscal performance of the program. That's a different thing. That's what we're doing this year. What I'm telegraphing to you, because the, the groundwork is happening now, is what might come forward for subsequent years. I'm trying to, we're priming the well so that you don't, you don't hear during the budget conversation the first time, hey, there's these explorations happening. I want you to know that they are, to your point, two different things. This conversation isn't really about what we just spent a lot of time talking about. I only took the opportunity because they're connected, because right. uh, it's all about this same program. But this is about how it's performing under this budget, yeah. uh, which was uh, which is a decision to keep it exactly the same way, but make it perform better. And this, the results are, under this year with this budget, it has perform better because largely we have um, uh, been able to streamline the staff through attrition, uh, not through layoffs, uh, and uh, get the services up to such a level that it's all sort of balancing. It's balancing on the expense and um, uh, revenue side where it's still not, where there's still a glaring opportunity is service to all of the population that needs outpatient behavioral health services, which is all the more reason to actually make the case this is not about um, showing up the finances anymore as a main driver. This is really about we still have this universe of people who aren't even included in this discussion uh, that we're actually trying to figure out do we have the capacity to serve them uh, because we're not meeting their so, care needs right now. So it sounds like a lot more to be reported. Yeah. And it's also recognition, the last question is recognition that we're sort of, we're moving into a new budget cycle here. And, right. Uh, all of this observation is going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do it today, but as you're putting the budget together, uh, I'm sure you've learned some lessons from these enhancements. And obviously, they've been really challenging. Yes. So, um, again, I, not most of them aren't performing, right? That's right. What, uh, that's, report was, that's what indicates we, to me that they're, they're full of lessons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my experience in life, at least. Yeah. So um, as you put forward ideas for uh, a balanced budget for, for next fiscal year, I'd encourage you to incorporate um, those lessons, those learnings uh, that you saw here. Yeah. And then this is going to go away pretty soon. We'll exactly. Well, uh, what, what, I, yeah, what, I will, what I will do, I mean, because really, in essence, that initiative is completed. Right. And, and its original intent of what we were looking to do, well, which, is what, which is what Del Vecchio <laughs> has described, is so I will, no, it put, doesn't say it, I will put completed, yeah. just like the one below it, and we're done. With that one, I think that's right, uh, and that way yeah. it, it, it reduces any confusion. Yeah. And then, <laughs> perfect. And then, and then, uh, as Del Vecchio said, the reason, right? Yes. And the reason I was bringing up the other broader issue is because, again, I, I, I actually feel that it's there's great potential for us to be able to provide and frame a a a structure that will be more inclusive and comprehensive to care for a broader population. But more to come on that. I think we all do, but we recognize that we're just in this re really tense moment around it, yeah. and we want to honor that because I don't want people thinking that on our within the organization that it's unreasonable that people feel this way. They they yeah. have great reason to feel this way, and them you know speaking out about it I think is founded. I just want to put it in context for you, yeah. uh, and and we're working to put it in context for them. But again, understandably. They got a little side eye. Like, mm, are you really, are you trying to control or manipulate me, or are you being truthful? And right. we we need to earn trust. And I, I and that's it's a process. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Um, 
And and again, I, I mean, I think outside of those couple of slides, I mean, I you know, the rest of the report, I mean, I'm I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. So let's move uh, to there's questions. Nothing, nothing Thank you, major. Luis, uh, questions or comments? Thank you. It gives you a little more information in terms of reports. <laughs> um, let's go to post epic go live finance update. This was a kind of scary report, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think Kim was traumatized. Yes, less, it's yes, less scary. Less. Um, it may be a different. Is it a different it, deck, Dave? It's a different deck. Okay. But it's a different format. Okay. We could follow off our. You want to? Yeah. You can keep going. Oh, there oh, he's got go. it. Okay. Oh, there we are. Okay. All right. I'm going to turn this way so I can talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when you, uh, if you took a look at this last week, you were probably going, wow, you know, we've made some progress, but not, you know, as much as, as we had hoped for. But I actually have a lot of good news today, okay? So I'm going to, I have uh, updates for 3.6 and 3.12, but I'm going to give you the 3.12 ones today. Um, so just to remind everybody, this is the stabilization, stabilization dashboard. This is an EPIC tool. This is the one we're using to measure our performance. Um, the items here that I want to focus on are the payment variance, the CFB days, the, and the claims edits. Those, to me, are the big ones. Okay. We did include a glossary of terms in the back, so I thank hope everybody you. saw that. Yes, yes. thank you. Candidate for billing. Yes, got it. Good job. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so in regard to payments, um, a bottom performer at this point in the implementation is off two weeks. Um, as of 2.21, we were 3.4 off. Um, right now, we are at uh, 2.4. So we have made a substantial no. improvement. You saw the cash slide for January, but this is going through to March, so it's going to get better. So we're almost at the bottom. We're almost the bottom. Yeah, almost. <laughs> you got to be at the bottom before you're at the top. There you but, go. <laughs> but keep something in mind, right? We cash comes after you get the stuff out the door. In fact, it takes another month or so, right? So what? If that's a the leading indicator is the CFB days, all right? So currently, uh, in this report, uh, we were at 19.1 days. Today we're at 16.2. So we we dropped quite a bit. We're still not at our you know above our eight, which is our target, but or at our eight, but. Still, a huge improvement. And to give you dollars, just to give you an idea, so that equates to $124 million. We were at uh, $212 on $221 and $169.9 on $228. So lots of good work being done. Great. What, what, uh, real quick. What are the days we're at? Right now? 16. Yeah. 16.2. Wait. As of which date are you talking CFB about? CFB days? Yeah, but as of which date? This is as of 3-6. Yeah. And then today we're at 124 million. I didn't equate it. I probably should have. So You're that was You're talking about for March 12th? 
Yes. It's 13.9. 13.9. Thank you. I didn't don't know why I didn't write that down. I got you. He knew it. Yeah. Was, <laughs> she knows that I watch this like yeah, we, watching it. we watch it every, almost every day. But it's I important to emphasize for our, the, the trustees, this is the hospital billing portion. Yes. Right. yes and there, there's HB. a pro to follow. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so real HB. Quick, Kip, you said uh, we're almost, you know, we're getting closer to our goal of 8.3, but our goal isn't to be at the bottom. Our goal is to get to 5.3, right? We set eight as our as our um, our target. Uh, yes, I, I'd like to see us below that. Um, there are some unique things to each uh, organization. Um, for instance, some of our payers might want us to do certain things to claims that makes that takes an extra couple of days or something. Um, I've, I've been seeing some of that happen. In fact, in our discussions at CFB, a lot of times. People are saying, but wait a minute, we're always going to have this. You know, how much? You know, how much can we get it down? So, you know, we're we're basically at a point where what's coming in today is what's going out, and we got to kind of like figure out if it's at the optimum level or not. So, it's not acceptable to be below eight. In fact, uh, actually, the guide rails per epic, uh, despite what a what it says there. And this is what they told me actually today in our call is between eight and thirteen. Oh. So we're we're getting there. Yeah. Yes. And this is, you know, much better than we were pre epic. I mean just a lot better than we than we were that. double this what about maybe three weeks ago. Right. <laughs> no, but she's saying pre epic. Oh pre, pre oh yeah, yeah, pre pre epic we were yeah, we weren't even this good. No, yeah. no. We had uh, our, we called it Ebu, and it was huge. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so so 13.9 is your day for today. So, or your days, CFB days for, for today. And um, in, in regard to claim edit days, um, this is at 3.1 as of 3.6. I didn't pull this one as at, just for today for PB. I mean, sorry, for HB. Um, that is improved. 2.4 is a bottom, so we still got some work to do there. And if you remember, the claim edits are those like 350 things right. that are sitting out there at you know 200,000, you know 300,000, and they're um, a result of the fact that we went kind of did the big big bang with uh, changing from uh, DSG to change healthcare as our uh, claims clearinghouse. And uh, so we didn't, I mean, that's, that's a lot to do all at once and it's gonna, it's gonna take a while to get through it. So let's go through just a couple of slides here. Actually, Kim, question. Can you explain to me practically what does coding days mean? Coding days are days of AR that are sitting waiting for coders to code the account. Okay. So HIM, they're in the HIM world. But but from a from a from our perspective, we're entering the code in real time, usually in clinic. So would it ever be less than? What, give me a circumstance where it would be less. How would you get to two point four days? Our our coders have done a phenomenal job. Yeah, I mean, job. yeah, obviously, it's our best performing yeah, part. Yeah, it is our yeah. best performing part. Um, so why is that? I mean. So this went up a little bit. So for coding days, we're currently green at one. We were 1.1 and 2.4 as bottom. So she's actually between um, a top performer and a median. So she's doing a great job. 
So your question to me was that I, I just want to if we're if we're charting or uh, uh, charging in real time. Yeah. If you wanted to understand what they what what drives the coding days, and it's it's a, they still have to go in and code. Man, so it's a manual thing. So yeah, they, right. Is that is that what you're saying? They have to manually look over the charge which was posted by the provider and, yeah. and confirm. Is to, that what the process? Yes, is? they need to make sure that the documentation supports the final coding. What you know for. So can you explain to me why they're doing so great? I mean, is it just elbow grease or is there a system or what why are they doing I so think awesome? we just have a great team and we have okay. a great leader and she's gone through this process before so epic is not new to her okay and I think that she's just been on top of everything from day one and she was here throughout the whole build and she you know participated all the way along so I guess I'm just wondering why this is such a performance outlier to the yeah. positive <laughs> I, I would echo some of the things Kim said. A, a, a really uh, a comprehensive understanding of the workflows as it relates to uh, their part in the process, combined with um, uh, really good technical knowledge and proficiency and strong leadership. Uh, and, and in other parts of the rev cycle, uh, we've had varying degrees of any uh, any of those things. Uh, I hear what you're that, saying. That okay. can contribute to this. Okay, got it. Whether yeah. it's understanding of the workflows, the technical elements of it, or the leadership that okay. then are, we're, we're gradually getting improvement on got it. it. She seems to check all the boxes. Okay. Yeah, and she her does. Team. She does. I hear it. And there, there's three big factors that you, you can't forget, and that's one that our <laughs> VP of Revenue Cycle was right. vacant. Right. Our CFO was vacant. <laughs> And Not we more. did this big bang <laughs> with the clearinghouse. Okay. I mean, that, you know, that was something that, it, that you know, I would say, I don't know if you could have predicted it. I mean, that there's so many edits, and you have to reconcile the ones within Epic and the ones outside of Epic. And because we were <coughs> changing, we didn't really know how the new clearinghouse was going to work. So that, that I would yeah. say, is a, is, was something that... He was a bit am ambitious, ambitious at one point. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, because I don't. If I, if my memory serves me correctly, the thinking was that we, we had some opportunities with the existing clearinghouse, and the thought was um, that we would be able to successfully uh, convert that clearinghouse before the go live, or at least get those workflows worked out such that they would be there. But then, with the leadership uh, um, transitions, uh, that slowed it down, and so I think all of that kind of compounded at once, and that is part of the the morass that we're working ourselves through to get to the other side. So there's really not a lot to talk about on this slide. Uh, what you can see is the CFB going down. That's the blue, and the AR going up and we're a little higher than, than we should be, and of course that's because we've been delayed getting the claims out the door and our cash is behind. Yep. Uh, this next slide here is payments posted. You can see we've had some really strong weeks here, so yeah. uh, you know this is really good to see, and yep. it, this nice. goes through 228. Uh, and you can see the little trend line going up. So you know this is a this is really nice to see. As I as I always say, if the cash isn't coming in, uh, there's a problem, right? Cash, cash is king. king. Yeah. Cash is king. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and the next slide here is the graphic of the CFB. And uh, so here's where I wrote where we were today at 13.9. You can see that um, as of the date of this report, we were still just below 20, and now we would be below the 15. 
So see that drop? That is just um, mm -hmm. uh, just a beautiful picture to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's artwork. It's yes, artwork. artwork. <laughs> we have it framed. <laughs> Blown up and framed. And uh, we've got the biggest areas here, but I think it's easier to talk about them on the next slide because there's also some definitions. This is a great slide. This one is for you? Yeah, it tells you why or yes. helps to tell why. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the biggest items here right off the top there is the ED account not reviewed. So we talked about that last time that right now we want to make sure the documentation supports the level charge in the ED. And so we are reviewing all zero levels and all fours and all fives. And eventually we would like not to have to do it, that we could just do it like from an audit, um, you know, post uh, charge. But now we're looking at every claim because we just don't want to allow a claim to go out there that's not sufficiently right. supported with documentation. And Kim, and does that say that this ED account accounts for 19.5 million? Of them? Ooh, yes, okay. it does. Bunch. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a big, big number. Yeah, but as long number. as we're going to hold those claims, that there's going to be a high number there. We're working so many things right now and trying to balance. So I can't tell you that that's that's the correct you yeah. know the place we will be. But if we can if we can get to a point where these folks aren't making changes, then we don't need to review them anymore, right? We just could do an audit on a like from a compliance standpoint after the fact, and that's where I'd really like us to get. We'll get there. I can tell you're determined. <laughs> She's working. Uh, the next item is uh, case management, and there there is quite a few there. There's one, two, three um, buckets. There's quite a bit sitting out of there. And what I want to say in regard to that is, at first, most of these buckets were all in the revenue cycle area. I mean, they were really, really high. Now what we're seeing is what we would have expected to see when we first implemented, which is all of these folks need to learn a whole new way of life, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, case management's been short-staffed. You, you know, you, you guys all know what's going on with the with uh, the coronavirus and you know all the things that are happening in the hospital. Um, they they're bringing in more staff. We're you know retraining. We've got you know a, a great. Uh, focus on the area, and I expect them to improve. But right now, they're probably the biggest biggest outlier. Um, also, two procedural logs. Um, I'm seeing that a lot of the departments, because you know we've changed the whole world. You know, everybody's responsible for their own charging, and that means they're supposed to reconcile their charges every day. And that is a new thing that no one's ever had to do before. So when you start getting busy and worried about other things, you kind of think, oh, well, maybe I can let this slide. And so we're going to have to be going back, retraining, saying, no, you can't let this slide. You need to do it. Just like we got to do a midnight census every single night, so, every hospital. So people were trained to do that during the EPIC training. Yeah. But actually doing it is different because you it's like you have to do it all the time, right? Well, if they were just plain not doing it, they would have hit higher earlier. Well, they're hitting now because we've gotten rid of all the low-hanging fruit. So now, you know, that's the beauty of Epic is it's so transparent. You can see what everybody's doing. But they're just now hitting the radar because all those other items have been taken care of. Ah, so now you see case management hitting the radar because we don't have all those other big buckets of other stuff that we've been working in the revenue cycle. So... Uh, 
It's uh, uh, rev my revenue integrity group is pretty stretched right now, trying to get out to all of the departments and try to um, help them understand what they need to get done and what they need to do every single day because this, this has never been their responsibility. Right. Can you? Uh, I thought the law enforcement coverage review is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an annual process. We, I guess, uh, when a, a, a patient comes in from either the state prison, a federal prison, or Santa Rita, is that right? Mm -hmm. Get it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the registration people don't always get, you know, all of the information. They they do their best, but then on the back end is when we clean everything up. I don't know if there's a, a better process there that we could develop to where if we could actually put in the system what prison they're from, then we might be able to streamline it a bit. But again, that's something that never hit our radar because it was so much lower on the list mm -hmm. and now that it's been accumulating and now we see the problem and we can go address it. And that includes people coming in not right from a jail or a prison, that could be coming right from the street, correct? Well, these these ones are incarcerated. Oh, they and are. They, okay. Yeah. So they're yeah. this is like they're, they're, they're law enforcement. Yeah, you, yes. Okay. Okay. So it's not fifty-one fifties. No, I didn't. I, well, I didn't mean that. I was thinking, you know, somebody uh, probation. It's been arrested and injured and brought here by OPD, for oh, example. But that that's not. These are people that were already incarcerated. They've already been in the system. Right. Got it. Like, yeah. yeah. It feels like you should be able to develop a process. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you can see it's been kind of jumping up, and it's probably because we've been, you know, redirecting resources because that's what we're constantly doing all the time. Okay, we're saying, okay, here's we've got a, we got an issue here, we've identified it. Let's um, send resources to fix it, and then sometimes it might take somebody off of something else for a few days. Because I mean, we're really pushing Tuesday, Thursday when we're, we identify something, we're saying, okay, where will you be on Monday? How much can you get it down? And then on Monday we're going, did you get it down? So, I mean, that's how we're working. So, yeah, I love it. Um, and I think you said this to me uh, after a meeting that you've got the low-lying fruit out of the way and now you're sort of in the, maybe the middle-lying fruit. And it, it, does it get, are you finding it, it continues to be more challenging as you get down to this last category, other? Yeah, if, if, if you think of those external edits being over 350 things, I mean, that is a lot to work through. Sure. And, and it's not like it's 350 simple things. You got to figure it out. You got to go talk to people. You got to decide, okay, you know, do we need to change the edit at change or do we need to change it here? Or, diminishing you know? Yeah, diminishing yeah. Per, per instance. Whereas you were getting, you know, 19 million on this top one. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You maybe get a million for an improvement of the procedure down this other. Yeah. All right. So here's PB. So this is the uh, professional billing side of the house, and um, here uh, I'm going to look at those same three things: the payment variance. Um, on three six, we were 2.1 days. That is better than the bottom, right? And our uh, pre-AR, which is uh, similar to the uh, candidate for billing, uh, we were at six. So we actually went up slightly from what's in here on 228. We'll look at the detail of that in a minute. Those claims edits are 3.5, so they also went up a little bit. So 
PB has been a lot closer to hitting targets than HB, but we kind of slid a little bit here. Um, but I do want to say that we are at 8.6 total for pre-R and claim edit today. So if you uh, look at the slide there for 228 where we were at 9.1. So although this slide looks like we didn't have any improvement, as of today, 312 we did, we're at 8.6, not 9.1, and that's for the combined. It's sort of the nature of this sort of change work you're doing. It may not show up immediately for a good long time and then it starts to really bloom. And well, that's and that's what that I mean. That is what we're seeing. I mean, we're yeah, seeing that drop see and <laughs> start it. my beautiful artwork. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the uh, the AR. There's not really a, a whole lot to to say here. You would expect it to go up as you um, uh, as you uh, um, get more stuff out the door. You'll see on the cash slide that we had this spike in posting. And that's why the AR dropped right there. So everything kind of flows together. Uh, here is that big dip. See that? When that cash came in, our AR went down. And that's why you saw that, that dip. Um, and what really happened here is it's not so much that we just received this you know, massive amount of cash at the bank. What happened is uh, we were able to clean up our mapping so that we could electronically post the payments to patient accounts. So that's one of the things with Epic. Most of their reports just show what's been posted to an account. So if it's sitting out there waiting to be posted, it's not being counted. Um, I also want to show there on the graphic that we're actually making up. You can see how we dipped down and then we came back up. So the cash is actually uh, really picked up because we've uh, fixed that mapping. Uh, the next item is the uh, graph, and you can see PB just says, you know, I said we kind of leveled off, although we did have a, a little drop here this last week. And, um, you know, PB's been kind of cruising along, and I would say that most of our efforts kind of went to, to HB because PB was uh, in a much better shape. But I also want you to notice, look at the types of errors here. And uh, I'm going to put it here because it gives the explanation. Um, you can see external errors uh, with a 100 code. Um, 100 is registration. That's uh, the biggest number there. But that's not anything our registration folks can do. This is a claims issue that we've got this task force working on, and that's the 350 I've been talking about. Mm -hmm. But because it is slow go, I mean, there are so many of them that you know, they just kind of start at the top and you know, work through them, uh, either by data service or by dollar amount. Uh, the second item there, you know, substantially less at um, 356. Uh, that is also, that's an IT edit there. And um, that is uh, where there's a, the um, insurance code is firing incorrectly. And so it has to be, be fixed. Uh, the next big one there are 100s. The next two, those are registration. And those are things that they are working. Um, but notice how it really drops, you know, as you go down there. Uh, and that claim edits are the biggest issue. So we will um, 
I mean, we've got that task force. I asked today if we thought it was adequately staffed because we actually pulled a team together that actually get together and work on so many hours every week together. Mm -hmm. And my team says, Kim, you know, that is an adequate resource. They're going to make headway. Um, as long as stuff doesn't age out and become untimely, we'll be good. There's, it's, there's always going to be issues between Epic and the uh, and Change Healthcare, the clearinghouse. Uh, it's just that we got to, you know, we just need to keep working it the way we're working it. So they told me no. They didn't need more resources for now. Uh, so actions being taken. Um, this is really just a reminder slide. Uh, what we did is we um, added cross-functional teams uh, to each of my revenue cycle leaders. So they have elbow support, consultants, EPIC, and IT. And this has really paid off. And I'm backing off now. I think by the end of the month we'll have all of, all of the consultants gone. Uh, we're still doing the hit list, only now it's called Continuous Revenue Cycle Improvement. Um, I'm allowing uh, Epic to run it. Um, uh, it. It does save me a lot of time and effort, I, I will tell you that. Uh, but uh, it's exactly what I told you. We go to each of the large items, we get the person on the phone that, that can do something about that item, and then we make them give us a target, and then we follow up. So it's a, sometimes it can be an intense uh, situation and an intense con uh, conversation. And then we have the uh, weekly command center where Mark and I participate and we prioritize tickets and um, also to make sure that what we talk about at the uh, continuous revenue cycle improvement huddle is um, most, the most important stuff, that we don't miss anything. Uh, successes, I just want to say that the success is in the fact that the team is owning the work. They're understanding what they need to do. You're seeing the success in the measurements that we just went through. And, um, you know, everybody's clear on what they need to do. And we were nowhere near that um, back in January. Next slide is uh, immediate uh, actions needed. And... Um, We've made, I've made some changes. I decided that, yes, CFB is really important, and yes, we've got a really good process that's working, but we need to be balanced. We need to look at the whole revenue cycle. So we have set targets for every area that we could. And um, what I'm doing is uh, between Craig, my interim, or he's actually our official VP of revenue cycle, um, he meets with each of the managers during the week on their scorecard that has this information, including productivity at the individual staff level. And so he goes over it with them, and then I go over it with the director for that area um, on Fridays. So tomorrow my meeting is with Brenda for HB, and she will report to me how her staff is doing on every one of these, what I can do to help them, what their, um, what their top issues are, what they're working, what their priorities are. So. That's, that's what we've changed there. To, I, tomorrow will be my third one with Brenda. Um, upcoming challenges. 
this really just relates um, back to what I was talking about that you know now the focus is becoming on the, the operators the ones that are doing services and charging and so we need to support them but that we also need to make sure that they do the work we've got to have the charge reconciliation we've got to have the midnight census um, uh, we've have some other items here that we need to work on. We need to get the ABN processed. We need to be compliant with Medicare. Um, we ended up, I ended up actually turning off the contract review. So what would happen is when the electronic payments would post through, it would go against an expected payment um, module, I guess would be a good word for it, in Epic. And it was just kicking out. Everything was kicking out. It was just creating this massive amount of work for everybody. So I shut it off. And so now what we need to do is we need to now go back and rebuild it. Right. So that was something we did in the build. I can't, I haven't gotten under the hood to tell you what was, what's wrong with it. But um, we are going to start, start meeting every two weeks, dedicating some time, and we're just going to go contract by contract. We're going to redo the build. Uh, the CDM review, I'm going to ask DeVecchio if I can have some money to have somebody come in and look at it. So. Sorry. I think you just asked. We can talk. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure it's compliant, and uh, I want to make sure we've set it up in the in the in the best possible way to be successful. One of the other issues we're having is uh, units. Like if we buy a box of something, somehow it doesn't end up as one in one item from the box in the charge. So we got to fix that. So anyway. Um, I could probably go on and on and on, and you probably. This is really. Uh, <laughs> it's it's great to see yeah. improvement. The report actually helps us see that too. Yeah, so I, I just want to uh, express my gratitude as chair. Um, I want to. I'm not going to do this to you and Luis this uh, meeting, but next, starting next time, I want to adopt something from quality, mm. and and ask you. Um, you have a better framing. What, what are the three questions you have? Uh, can you prioritize your problem list or the issues of concern in rank order? <laughs> Which is what we ask all of our, our, our presenters. Yeah, rank I, think order, I think you should you come lead our meeting. And then do you feel resourced to address those concerns? Yeah. Thanks, Doug. So we'll do the, I want to adopt that from quality for both of you to, to chew on that and uh, cheer your opportunity to be honest in public. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, right. I, I would say that I'm always honest in public, <laughs> but I will provide you the information you're asking for. <laughs> Fair enough. I did not mean to imply you were. Always. You did say in public. Good catch. Good. So thank you, uh, Kim, very much. I'm going to move us on to um, the budget process um, and this report uh, our CFO and, and Kim are going to do this together and this starts the conversation about how we're going to do the budgeting process and, and what the really? initial thoughts are. It's an interesting report in the back of it. Yeah, it is early. It's very early, but we yes. want to be inclusive. Um, so this slide, I didn't change at all, but just as a, a reminder, you know, we're this year we're we're focusing on stabilization. You know, in regard to sustainability, we want to cover our operating and contribute to capital, but we're not trying to you know generate money to recoup prior year 
uh, paybacks. Uh, we want to be inclusive. We still need to figure out how we're going to expand this exclusivity or inclusivity to the Board of Supervisors and County Leaders. That is one piece that's still missing. Uh, we want it to be balanced. It needs to meet the community needs. And it has to include continuous improvement. We always need to be doing better than we are today. So uh, the FY21 process is a slide that I had in the last deck, so I'm only going to talk about where we are now, February, March. We just started our budget training. Um, that is where we meet with all of the leaders responsible for a budget and we help them. It's a little more than training. They actually could do their budget right there on the spot if they wanted, and we encourage that. Um, this year we did not send out a target. We didn't say you must cut, you know, 5% or whatever the number was in, in historically. I don't know. Um, I'm going to send, uh, actually, DeVecchio is going to send a memo out, and it's going to say something to the effect of, you know, we need your help, we need your engagement, you know, um, uh, obviously we don't have unlimited funds. We've built in, you know, CPI increases for the full year that we may not, you know, need, right? If you're going to renew your contract in, you know, month nine of the year, you don't need 12 months of CPI, but we built, you know, 12 months in. So there's, you know, opportunity there. And there's other things. I mean, the managers, they should know their business. They should know their contracts. They should know, you know, if they've got some opportunities there. So we will send that out, and we're basically, you know, respecting and trusting our staff that they're going to they're gonna do the right thing, right? I don't know if you want to yeah. comment any more in that <laughs> regard. Um, no, I won't repeat what you said, but, you know, we're, we're sort of trying to learn lessons from the last time. Right. And we're trying to uh, invoke... Uh, or, or appeal to people in a more uh, collaborative versus what may have felt more like a uh, more of a hammer sort of way crisis response yeah, yeah yeah and it's 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 doing I mean even the part that leads us to this is we are trying to take the approach of loading in things that we uh, understand we need to do in the in the expense side of the budget to uh, acknowledge CPI increases, uh, contract increases, some of the uh, things that we will need to fund uh, in terms of our operations as well as our capital. And so a target that we need to achieve to do that. And, but, but in order to do that, we then need people to continue to help us to acknowledge that the inflation is not always meted out by uh, revenue increases that we can generate as an organization. In fact, we also have to contend with losses of supplemental programs or at least declines in supplemental programs. To your earlier point about Measure A, you know, that, that are beyond our control. So uh, we need to have the, uh, the best uh, intelligence of everybody involved and a commitment that's more values driven that we have to uh, um, um, be prudent with every dollar that we have. And we're going to appeal to them to help us to do that. In an effort to create a budget that achieves all those targets that we talked about before, so we're going to try this differently. We didn't want to do this. That was the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. Uh, so we're trying a different thing. Trust people and try to appeal to them in a more values-driven way. 
uh, that doesn't feel like one of the big biggest pieces of feedback we've heard where that uh, it seems like administration uh, um, has that their biggest priority is the numbers and part of that is obviously the pressure that we feel to balance the organization operationally or financially, but we absolutely care about quality. We absolutely care about access and all the other things that are more uh, that are why we exist. Uh, in addition to doing it in a sustainable way. So, uh, so that process is largely management, uh, middle management. And, yeah, yeah, mostly. Right. Yeah, it, it largely. Yeah. Has yeah. there been a consideration of how you push the process? feedback loop down to, uh, to staff, staff, the rest of staff. Yeah, we, so we have things in place already and we... we oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. My apologies. Um, we, we, we talked about this during, the, I think it was a summer retreat, uh, or the, yeah, summer retreat, uh, where we developed a process where we want to recognize that at the staff level, Oftentimes the, uh, let's say, performance improvement, cost management, uh, revenue generating ideas are at a um, level of awareness and opportunity in terms of impact for the organization that's on that scale. So, you know, mass sort of uh, creation of savings for the organization are not, are not likely to come from uh, a staff level suggestion. There'll be, you know, maybe we're lucky several thousands of dollars, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars. But it's a couple of tens of thousands of dollars of ideas do add up. And so, so we have that mechanism in place where we um, remind people that it exists and uh, to the extent that things are coming through. And I think the last check-in that I did on it, to be perfectly honest, is nothing really coming through in that context. So that exists. The budgeting process, given the compact nature of it, trying to do it within that process and expecting them to be able to process all of those things yeah. and come together with the budget is not, it's not likely. And even if we did do it again, it would still be a lot of work to come up with maybe a couple, even if we're being uh, aggressive or um, uh, optimistic, maybe a couple hundred of thousands of dollars when what we're talking about is about a, um, 3% improvement in savings or uh, expense management for the organization, which is on the order of about $40 million. So, so we have to necessarily keep it at a management level. And we've even talked about while the leaders at the different business units will have to work with the various layers of management, that it may be a situation where they take more of the lead because the the bulk of the opportunity may cross different uh, cost centers and cross uh, parts of the organization. So we don't want them. We we're concerned about doing what we've historically done, which is like sort of an across the board like target, where the opportunity may not be as. Uh, equal across the board. So bringing it up to a different level and then counting on those leaders, two of whom are sitting right behind you, uh, to work with their teams to say, we're going to own the opportunity and as much as possible throughout the course, uh, ideally completely, over the course of the budgeting process, we're going to identify where those opportunities exist. I guess for staff, it's less about, that all makes sense, right? I mean, it, it's... Uh, we hope so. If you're hired to do a particular role here, you're, that's your role. And right. Not focused on the finances and keeping the lights on and so forth. Uh, but I, one thing we did here last year, I'm sure you heard it too, was mm -hmm. this um, sense of not being, not having information. Yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with that time crunch. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're in a bit of a crisis um, mm -hmm. mentality, quite frankly. 
So I just, I, instead of making a question and a long conversation, I'll just make, encourage you to think with leadership here about ways to provide information to folks. Um, yeah. So we, that we are, um, and I appreciate the encouragement. I, I think wh where, where we're sort of acknowledging the strain, and quite honestly, it could happen again, is giving people the information is one thing. Uh, giving people the information with an expectation that they can do something substantial with it or substantive with it is a different thing. And I think last I year... I guess I'm, I'm speaking yeah, to, to yeah. the latter. I mean, it, it, it... Yeah, last year what we struggled with was we, we actually tried to give them the information to do something substantive with it. And what I think we experienced was that that was that was perhaps an unrealistic expectation. Right. Uh, and so we want to give people information. We're hoping that uh, framing it in the way that we are, it becomes a more empowering thing, like help us to do what we want to achieve for the organization. And the way to do that is to figure out ways in which we can uh, be mindful about how we staff, how we uh, buy supplies and equipment, source different things, and, and how we are improving our productivity. It feels more empowering towards a goal of yeah. uh, uh, you know, providing care as much as possible to our community, not squeezing people to say, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to cut that, and that's not as optimistic. But, but your point is taken. I hope we get it better. I don't know if it's a perfect way, but we're, but we're trying to do it different and be very mindful yeah, of the great. feedback that we have. I think that's all you can do. And so here we are yes. there at uh, our first meeting with the Finance Committee. Right. <laughs> Today. Yes. So um, now I'm just going to walk you through just a couple of things that we have um, completed. It's early on, like I said. So. Um, to ground everybody, we use calendar year 2019 as a baseline, and that's also what we put in the in the budgets as a start. So that's what they're what the managers are using to determine if they need to make changes. Of course, we did, like I said, add the CPIs. So um, so they have a, a a starting point, and it all helps us to control the overall bottom line. So if you look at these, the only places you see increases are the general acute days and discharges. And we, I got a slide that's going to show it, but it's because we're reopening beds at uh, San, San Leandro and we um, want to improve some throughput at Highland. Uh, clinic visits, we, there's a big increase there because we want to get back to the FY19 volume. You know, obviously going live with Epic had an impact on the number of patients that we could see in the clinics. Um, and SNF days are going up uh, um, a little bit there. And remember, we have additional SNF beds. We have nine now. But I have some slides here. I don't, I don't want to take too much PES time. Why does PES jump so high? Oh, let me uh, speak to that. In fact, here, I'll just go right here. There is the PES there. Uh, it is going up substantially, and it's because we're capturing the charges. So what we used to do in the old days is we just used to cap it at 20 no matter how long the patient stayed. Now we're actually inputting in our system the actual hours patients stay. Okay. So um, just really quick on these uh, graphs. There's the general acute. We, uh, I mentioned that you know the San Leandro now has uh, 15 additional beds and then we want to improve uh, throughput at Highland so that will uh, uh, reduce days compared to discharges. 
And then you can see there at the bottom, um, the ED uh, is the only thing that's really going up. Surgeries and deliveries are, are flat. And that, we think we're, we're going to be able to get that from Alameda Hospital by being more efficient. And then acute rehab is pretty much remaining the same. Um, if you look at the projection there, it seems like, wow, that's really high. But if I annualize where we're at today, we would be at uh, 621, which is not too much more than what these numbers are. Uh, and our days would be 8534. Which and we're uh, right now for budget eighty four seventy six. So yeah, maybe we might be able to input increase that a little bit. But at this point, we have not, it, and it's not as far off as this looks because of that that um, projection for FY twenty. Down below are the skilled nursing days and discharges, and what's driving that is we got the six bed subacute at Fairmont. Uh, has been converted into nine additional beds, so we're going to be able to take care of more patients there. Um, the next assumption is uh, behavioral health, and uh, really, it's it's flat except for you know now we're going to capture those hours. We're pretty much at capacity, oh, so, so you yeah. we will capture the hours, but not doesn't necessarily mean we'll increase the revenues. Correct. There, yeah. and and the visits are are flat. So okay. it's it's just we want to have a better idea of you know what what costs are to provide those services. And here's the clinic visits. And as I said, we're really just going back to 19. So you can see that that's what we've done. Um, Inflation assumptions are here. Again, I told you we just you know uniformly apply them across the whole category of expense. Um, the largest ones are in utilities. You might say, you know, why are utilities going up so much? Eight, seven. Yeah, what's that about? Um, it's being driven off of Highland here. That we had a new building and then we needed to get new meters in place, hmm. and so now we know what our true cost is, and so we have to jump that up. Absolutely. I guess you just need to turn the lights out more. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of automatic lights. lights. Yeah, we have lots of automatic <laughs> lights. <laughs> uh, most of the others are, are you know, pretty, pretty reasonable. Were that only ones that you turn that TV off? And most come from Vizient as well. Say that every day to my kids. Yeah, the lights. And the next is the supplementals, and I'm going to just uh, start at the bottom of this. Um, and that's the bottom line there. What I want to say is we're starting this budget process assuming they're going to be about equal. Um, we do have a plan that thinks we might, we might get there, but we are going to have to revisit this. Um, we didn't, you can see we've done some work. We didn't just, yeah. you know, dream up them being equal. But there is some, you know, contingencies in this. We talked about some today. We talked about Measure A. Right. Um, you know, we still don't pieces. know about a lot of these other right. uh, items for sure. But we decided we were going to try to, you know, you know, not be too conservative, and we didn't want to put us put us put ourselves on a roller coaster. So we said, as long as we could come up with something that holds water, right, that we could trust, then we would just, you know, go ahead mm -hmm. and move forward without trying to find some other way to fill a gap on the supplementals. Okay. 
I thought this was a great slide too. It puts it all into one bunch that's digestible, yeah. so thanks. Yeah. <clears throat> Notice though that on row 19 there, there's a $20 million. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, okay, so, and then we got it equal because these are, these are, there's more uncertainty from row 20 to row 25. But uh, we still think, you know, like this would be a good starting point. The other thing that's important uh, to know, uh, kind of where we are in the process, a lot, of, a couple of these things, uh, the uh, the degree of certainty that we can get for some of them will be in this fiscal year. Might not be to like the end of the budgeting process. So we'll be tracking these along uh, that timeline. But it may be in May when, like, when the state budget is approved, or we know what they're going to do with AB eighty five. And so then we may have some substantial correction along this that could be favorable or unfavorable. Uh, some of the Cal Lane things, um, uh, we may not actually know until into the next fiscal year, but we'll try to put as much of a plug in that is our best uh, estimate at the time. But just want to kind of put that yeah. contingency it, out for you as well. That it's really the challenge you know, of the supplemental uh, yeah. finances. I mean, we're trying to project, make projections on moving pieces, basically. Yeah, there are some. It's like, I guess. There are, yeah, there are some public entities, not the counties, you, uh, largely the UCs, that um, uh, operate using supplemental uh, funding as well because they uh, are heavily into Medi-Cal. And many of them try to do it without relying on the supplemental dollars. So <laughs> they And they have enough of a different pair mix that they can do that. Right. Uh, so it actually is good. It makes perfect business sense to do because it's so speculative. Sure. But a lot of the public's us included, don't have the luxury of doing that. Otherwise, the numbers would never pencil out. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So this is budget to budget. If you, anyone has questions, otherwise I'll just keep, I'll keep yep. going. Sure. Okay. So then, I'm now kind of flipping. If you, if you notice there, it's budget to budget, right? That's how we did mm -hmm. the supplementals to start. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, currently we're uh, recording a lot of these to budget because we don't have any better information that could change between now and the end of the year. This just seemed like a much more stable way to manage this. So when, you, when I now flip to the budget key drivers, I'm, I'm taking a different view. I'm actually starting with current year 2000, calendar year 2019, and I'm mathematically getting to where we are today. So this is not budget, this is actual, right? And so the way this budget works is we've got all of these, uh, these components that we're building. And we're just building each component at a time. And then what um, Helen's doing for me is she's calculating the impact of them. And so then what we can do is we can say our EBITDA for calendar year 2019 was, you know, 33.4. I can take all of these components, put the financial impact, and get to the bottom line. <clears throat> yes, we all ha we have to get them into the budget, and ultimately, you guys will probably want me to give you a FY20 projected versus FY21, and we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But this is the way that we're managing. This is the tool. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so we're <clears throat> 7.1 behind. That's where we are today. Um, so we do have that volume growth you saw. So um, we also have the CPI, which is a hit. The volume should actually be a positive. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was like, that number looks like it's not showing correctly. Why that's a negative. Well, 
So maybe we're above the line. Yeah. Your revenue is not not to cover the expenses that increase in the wage. Aha. Uh -huh. So it gets put there. Um, I think it's the way we grouped our buckets. So um, I don't think that's what the intent of this is because uh, uh, there's uh, there this the CPI here. Does that include labor? It does. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to have to. We'll work go in back. Progress. And, yeah, it's a work in process. It is. It's really early to do yeah. this. It's very early to do this. That's good. Um, so anyway, but what we will have for you is an explanation. I mean, because you would wonder if, well, you know, why would we, why would we increase volume if we're going to lose more money, right? Yeah. We don't. That, you know, we'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> Our CPI. We know that would be a hit. We know that's high, right? Um, we know that we're not going to get another huge uh, or large uh, retroactive payment for behavioral health, so I'm backing that out. Um, we do current year, calendar year 19 versus um, fiscal year actually has a pickup in supplemental, so that's confusing. I realize that. We will, we will better refine that. We do have um, payer rate increases from our commercial contracts, so we got that in there. And we're currently um, below target, which I'm not worried about yet. We have lots of pending items. You can see here that we have, you know, the retro and new rates for behavioral health that we're negotiating with the county. We have to back out the incremental sapphire costs because, you know, we were going going live, so we're not going to have all those expenses again. Our managers are reviewing the budget. Our hope is that they will be able to take down some of the CPI and they'll be able to make some improvements. Um, we have program performance, so you know, uh, Luis talked about all the different things that we did uh, budgeted last year. Well, we're going to have another list of items that are going to um, be performa items that we will need to layer onto the budget, and then there could be other things that come up, like measure A or you know something that mm -hmm. you know that will come up. So that is really all I have for you today in regard to the budget. Yep, I think this is a good start. That's a great start. Okay, thank you. I feel like we're, I feel like I'm a veteran of this <laughs> after last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this feels a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it does. I don't know why. I'm trying, maybe just because I went through the trauma of uh, Well, <laughs> we've got a credit card with a really high balance that we're not necessarily talking about. That, that's part of it. <laughs> I was going to say, remember you got this thing on the side yeah. and it's early. <laughs> but I actually think that not factoring that into our operations is a much better way to do it because we, by trying to factor it into our operations we were making uh, proposals that were not tenable. Yeah, and I think we were confusing some of our partners. Yeah, and one thing I, I want to point out too is, you know, we, uh, we're a public system and uh, we're targeting right now to have like between a 3 and a 4 percent EBITDA margin, which is pretty good. Yeah. You know, so our we're stretching to, to you know to get to that even that 2019 there. Yeah. But it's a reasonable stretch in my opinion because I think yeah. we should always be looking for ways to improve. No, I, I remember and, the other issues. Uh, we didn't have you. Cheers. No, I'm serious. No. Thanks, yeah. Kevin. No, that's good. Yeah. Appreciate having you that's here. Good. Yeah. Yeah. When you said that, I thought, oh, I know what it is now. Uh, 
I'm going to move us on. Uh, are we done? There's an information discussion item. I'll, unless there's questions or comments, I'll just let it stand. Uh, discussion of committee planning issues tracking. So one question I, I'm going to sort of <laughs> throw a little um, wrench in here. Um, I'm involved in my organization and several other places in conversations about worst case scenario regarding the virus. And uh, uh, so um, it's potentially the case that we'll have large absenteeism from employees. And I don't, uh, again, it's probably not for tonight, but uh, I really want to encourage. I had a conversation with someone who works for a local hospital system, and uh, we were talking about my organization's uh, work around uh, essential services, uh, financial, uh, IT, and how we were requiring those departments to uh, develop a plan uh, in the case of absenteeism. Kim, as you were reporting about all this billing <laughs> challenge, all this tap very, is a very sensitive moment. If we saw a 10%, 25%, or God forbid, 50% plus uh, absentee ratio in, in your uh, department, um, so this gentleman said that they're planning for that on the healthcare side. They're not planning for it on, uh, they hadn't even thought about it. Yeah. And so it just occurred to me, I just want to say it out loud, that we shouldn't fall, I'm not, there's no assumption here, I just don't want us to fall into that trap that we're really looking at the provision of health care and forgetting that a lot of our staff now are related to these essential services that support the work. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to downplay the coronavirus, but I do want to say that we did have the flu during this period of time, mm -hmm. myself included. There mm -hmm. were 18 of us that mm -hmm. were just horribly sick, and we still made really good progress. I mean, that doesn't mean that, you know, that we wouldn't be in this situation, and I, I agree with you, but I, I wanted to take the opportunity to let you all know that's how committed these people are, and they are really, really, they own it, as they tell me. That's we own it. Hear. We got it. <laughs> great to hear. But it's, a, it's an excellent point. We have been reviewing the, the, the uh, sort of seductive thing in all of this is uh, when you have such a, a, a um, crisis or pandemic of this nature is to, to uh, respond and not think about what you already have in place, and mm -hmm. so we're trying to uh, uh, encourage uh, awareness of what mechanisms and tools we have in place that could be used, maybe not are, are used routinely like our, um, our telecommuting policy. We have a policy right. already in place that uh, provides flexibility at different stages of the organization that actually might be something we're used differently in this case mm -hmm. and we don't have to create something from scratch. Right. We're being mindful of that and thinking about then what are some of the uh, tools that we'd have to put in place though if you try to do that on a massive right. uh, basis and mm -hmm. our readiness to do that in terms of availability of laptops and all sorts of other things you know if you relax rules around what the work environment has to look like and how you check in with people all that stuff is not easy to contemplate mm -hmm. but I think you're absolutely right we we 
we need to continue to think about it even more aggressively as I, I, I just saw a, a note that came out from the county today that uh, the number of cases, um, confirmed cases in Alameda County actually have gone up uh, this week alone uh, um, more than they had in the past couple of weeks and yeah. so uh, you know we haven't gotten to I don't think cluster level mm. yet um, and we're not seeing things I heard today too that uh, San Francisco Unified School District is going to be closing for three weeks or something right. like that. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start to see things like that that will drive uh, attendance uh, uh, for our, um, our workforce with children mm. uh, that we'll have to be mindful of. So we're trying to think through these things and plan through them. We're struggling with what sort of plans you might create that would mitigate yeah. these things. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's one thing to think about it. It's one thing, <clears throat> another thing to be able to do something about it. Uh, um, and so I think that's what, uh, I think your point is well taken and we're not, we, we, I should have clarified, we're not just doing it on the uh, clinical side, but across the, across, yeah, across yeah. the workforce. That's so, well, I assume there was some thinking about it, but it, it's yeah. it's very hard to plan for. I know that as yeah. well. Just want to bit, say out loud. Yeah, extraordinarily difficult. You know, Yogi Berra said it's difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. And I do uh, applaud the team for thinking forward on this. I literally got an email 25 minutes ago from my kid's school, and their school's about five miles that way. Three weeks. Have they decided to yeah. They just decided. Yeah. It just yeah. came in my inbox. So, so. I'm fortunate that my kids can stay home by themselves, but for, for some of our, our workers who work here, they yeah. have to find childcare, which I think will be extraordinarily difficult in this setting. So yeah. uh, this is stuff that we need yeah, exactly. to forecast for. Right. Yeah, it's not even if the absenteeism isn't necessarily the illness. Yeah. To the employee, it could right. be the family. Family. That right. They're supporting. Because I, I imagine other schools will probably follow suit. Yeah. yeah. Well, on those very cheery notes. I know. Uh, <laughs> Let's see, I uh, public comment here. We didn't have any. Uh, any other comments from trustees? Uh, didn't do any better on time. Sorry about that. Close the meeting out. Thank you. <laughs> That's pretty good.